the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and it is hot out there. What do you do to beat the heat? Do you have some advice for people who don't have air conditioning or people who can't afford to run their air conditioning? How do you beat the heat? We'll talk about that and a few other things today on Southern California Live, including uh, what President Biden might say in his speech and what he ought to say. We'll get to that a little bit later on next hour. This hour, I want to talk about the heat and I want to talk about schools, some interesting things related to heat and also education today and why we should be thinking about it and being concerned about the kids among us, especially those who have some of the biggest challenges. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, so it's it's really hot out there. And I've been inside for a while. And then you ever just not realize how hot it is because you've been inside for some reason for so long. And then all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, it is so hot. And I guess that's what we're looking at here going in through the uh, the weekend here. Lots of hot temperatures. The L.A. Times had an article today saying that the playground asphalt sizzles to 145 degrees in this heat wave. 145 degrees. It had a picture in the front of the kids outside playing uh, using the asphalt for Play-Doh. It just kind of melts it and they roll it up in little balls and they build stuff because, you know, kids are resilient. And uh, like we like we say, you know, <laughs> I, I remember it being hot as a kid. They just send us outside. It didn't matter. We and we had we had when I was a kid, we had monkey bars on the asphalt. Right? There's no sand pit or a bunch of uh, old tires that you land in. You know, we If you fell off of there, you'd break your arm or break your head open. They'd take you to the hospital. You'd be back probably uh, for PE later in the day. But uh, that has all changed. Anyway, uh, there's a picture. There's a picture in this article in the L.A. Times. It's got to be an old picture, right? Because all the kids are outside in this heat, and, and that's kind of the idea. But they're all wearing masks. Are they really outside at playground and it's 145 degrees? And they're wearing masks. They really should wear the masks. I know they shouldn't be wearing the masks out there. And uh, maybe, maybe they are. I just—is your kid wearing a mask? Like being forced to? Maybe you decide you're, you want your kid to wear a mask. But is that? I don't think that's the rule anywhere. But it's got to be an old picture anyway. Um, on Tuesday, school board president Kelly Gomez, who represents a largely East San Fernando Valley area where temperatures get really hot, introduced a resolution. A resolution to establish a minimum standard of 30% green space on every campus and to devote additional bond dollars to ensure the requirement is achieved by 2032. That's, uh, you know, I'm amazed at some of these campuses and how there is no shade. You know, sometimes we've had sporting events or other things at some campuses. Some have quite a few trees and some have none. Like there's no trees anywhere. It's just hot, blazing hot. 
And, uh, you know, maybe uh, there's all kinds of theories about how they get designed that way. It might just go back to the day when we had so much smog, it would just kill all the trees or something. Maybe we didn't like trees. I don't know why that is. Um, But that is going on. According to the district's greening index, only 16% of school campuses meet the recommended threshold of green space. I think that's space where there's actual plants, things growing. And uh, that's at 235 elementary schools and uh, where 10% or less of their campus is green space. Uh, there's got to be more, you know, right? We, we've got to do better. I think we can do better with that. How do you beat the heat? That's a question I've got for you. Are you hot? Do you have a, a way that you beat the heat when it gets really hot or a way that you help people beat the heat? Uh, maybe some suggestions you want to send to us, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, how do you beat the heat? 888-528-2557. Um, and I want to encourage you to be looking out for people. Look out for your neighbors. You know, Just because you are running your AC, um, your neighbor might have the unit, but uh, they may not run it because it's expensive. It's really expensive. And a lot of people just don't have it. And, you know, I think for most of us, we find our ways to cope. Maybe you've got some ways to uh, to beat the heat. Uh, there's a picture in the paper of uh, a lady who's sitting on her front porch, and she's got this fan. looks like one of those, you know, those stand-up fans that oscillates back and forth. And um, she's sitting right in front of it, outside on her porch with her feet in a bunch of water. And uh, that's how she's doing it. And, uh, you know, she's, she'll be fine. But uh, that's what happens in uh, in this kind of heat when it goes on and we're going to have this all the way through labor day how do you beat the heat do you have something that you could recommend and you know if you are living in a place where you have some older people or people with some disabilities would you check on them make sure they're okay make sure they have bottled water in the house uh, make sure that they are able to be taken care of offer to uh, open up your house if you got the cooler on or take them to a supermarket or, you know, take them to uh, a cooling zone. There are several places if you go online and just type LA cooling zone or San Diego cooling zone, wherever you live, cooling zone. There are businesses that say, yeah, come on by, sit in our lobby, do what it takes just to get out of the heat. We want to make sure you're okay. Um, It's important. Uh, There are a lot of deaths that do occur because of these heat waves. And uh, that is important. Um, back to schools, and you can give me a call, 888-528-2557, if you got some advice to beat the heat. Back to what's going on in the schools. Uh, federal guidelines, according to the LA Times, consider extreme heat to be 90 degrees and above. Do you consider that extreme heat? I mean, I, I don't really, and maybe that's just a Southern California thing. We don't have the humidity, right? In some parts of the country, 90 degrees just feels a lot worse than it feels here, I think. And maybe that's because I grew up here. It seems to me that 90 degrees is not that hot. Uh, but that's where the federal guidelines consider extreme heat to begin, 90 heat, 90 degrees and above. Where would you say it starts to get too hot? You know, where does it start to bug you? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like for me, over 100. It starts to get over 100. It's like, ah, I start to notice that. You know, when you get to 110, then you really start to notice. My parents live out in uh, Phoenix, you know, and uh, they notice that uh, it's extreme heat when uh, the freeway signs melt right off the side of the road. And they're one time for real signs are melting. Mailboxes are melting. The those plastic trash cans that they give you to put out at the curb for all of your trash. Those were melting. Um, and it was one hundred and twenty seven degrees or something like that out there in the, the Phoenix area. My parents live in in Surprise, Surprise, Arizona, which is west of Phoenix, a little northwest. Uh, you know why they call it Surprise? 
because it's a surprise anybody lives out there. Uh, but they do. There's quite a few people out there. Doesn't get quite that hot here, although I was seeing maybe 112 in Woodland Hills. Is that right? Is it that hot outside? My my thermostat in my house said 107 today. Uh, my car only got up to 102 um, I'm not really sure. Federal guidelines consider, according to LA Times, extreme heat to be 90 degrees and above. So we're in extreme heat. And dealing with the schools, there are precautions that the schools will take in this kind of heat wave. It says uh, keeping students in air-conditioned rooms, cutting recesses short, moving athletic practices to the morning hours, and canceling games. Uh, does this happen? This, this is another thing. This never happened when I was a kid. It's just a, I think it's just a different attitude that we have about all of this. It must have been obviously just as dangerous. It got way over 100 degrees when I was a kid, and uh, we never canceled games. In fact, we never had water bottles. Nobody brought a water bottle to school. Never. We had a drinking fountain in the back of the classroom where I went to school, and we had drinking fountains outside, that kind of long trough of drinking fountains. There might have been, you know, five or six spigots in there and kids would wait in line that line would get pretty long right because nobody has the water bottled but we didn't mind and there were hoses we just drink out of the hose um and that's just uh i don't know that's a, a thrill maybe that has been lost or maybe that's all we had that we didn't have bottled water i think i think some crazy person invented that at some point back in the uh, 80s and uh sold that to some board of directors somewhere why don't we just take uh, some water and uh, sell it in bottles people will buy it people are like they're not gonna buy bottled water what are you talking about oh yeah put some kind of a fancy name on it like take the word naive and spell it backwards and call it avion and sell it for 45 dollars a bottle people will buy that no they're not gonna buy that for four dollars you know there they did how about that that's pretty smart uh we didn't have any of that there's no way our baseball game in in school is going to get canceled because it's too hot we played 110 degrees in a stage two smog alert. We did have large Gatorade tanks for sure. Did you have those? And we had, you know, some dugouts. I remember had uh, in high school baseball had a drinking fountain in the dugout. It was gross, but you would use it. That's what you were doing, you know. And and I don't know. Were, were kids getting sick and messed up, and uh, we just ignored it back then, or have we just become a lot more sensitive about that kind of thing? Uh, a lot more, a lot more comfortable. Well, whatever the thing is, is it's hard to be out there and it's hot in that pavement. And there are more than 150 schools here in uh, Los Angeles that the shade space and the green space is just very sparse. And it gets to be a more serious conversation. You know, I joke about, you know, the heat and, and, and if you're older, you probably just dealt with it, right? You just, you just moved through it. Um, but there are more serious things uh, about that. Certainly some people maybe get sick or ill uh, because of it in different ways. But um, this is another way to be involved in parents. If your school where your kids go doesn't have enough trees, if your school doesn't have enough green areas, you know, this is another reason to find out what, where the money's going, whatever money you have in your school district. This is another reason to get involved with your PTA. This is another reason to go to your school board meetings and ask questions. What really is happening? Because it is unacceptable that there's no place to get a break, that there is no place to get shade. You know, I talk about that as a kid, but we had plenty of trees. There was no lack of trees. We would go outside and we would play, but if we got hot, there was a tree and uh, we had water available. But there were plenty of trees at the schools that I went to, uh, plenty of shade. Uh, what happened to that? 
Uh, why aren't we doing that? Get involved as parents. Now, there's a more serious thing going on in schools today. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, There is a more serious report that came out today. There's been, been many reports about the effect of the pandemic on education and a very serious one came out today. And it matters. It matters because our kids are far behind. And, you know, I will, I will say it that we tend to say this happened because of the pandemic. But actually, a lot of the problems that we're dealing with happened because of how we dealt with the pandemic. And at the time, maybe we thought it was the right thing to do. But eventually we realized it wasn't. It didn't take most of the country very long to realize that the schools need to reopen. But some places like California and some other states, it took us a lot longer to realize that whatever we think we're doing to protect the kids is worse than having them than the effects of them being out of school. And that data is coming. You know, the the interesting thing about dating, uh, dating, the interesting thing about uh, data is that it starts to paint a more clear picture of what happened, but you have to wait for it. It doesn't just appear right away. You have to wait sometimes years. There's all kinds of data that we're going to get from these shutdowns and what it meant for business and the economy, what it meant for healthcare overall, not just about the COVID, but a lot of people were afraid to go to the hospital, right? How many people got sick or died or had strokes or heart attacks because they were afraid to go to the hospital? I had to tell somebody once who was looking like they were having a stroke, but they were afraid to go to the hospital. And and because of COVID, they thought they're going to get COVID if they go to the, the hospital. And I had to say, look, the stroke that you're having or about to have is going to be worse than the COVID. And uh, you need to go. And her doctor was telling her to go. And there's so much fear. And I'm wondering how many people never bothered to call. And maybe we don't have that data, but we we have some of it. Right there will be some notion of those kinds of things. The bigger issue is schools. Uh, maybe not the bigger issue, but a big issue is schools. According to the New York Times, the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading. That's the result of a national test that showed just how devastating the last two years have been for school children and especially the most vulnerable school kids. See, it's always the same kids getting hit the hardest. There's lots of reasons for that, but there are solutions if we really wanted to do something. And typically the reason is economic. And some people will say that it's racial. It has to do, it affects the same group of people either way. Same thing's true about the shade, by the way. It's the way our system is set up, is that it's driven by taxpayer dollars and it's driven by housing uh, costs near the schools and those, you know, in neighborhoods where the housing is a lot more expensive. They're going to get more money for the schools. And so if you're on the lower end of the spectrum, your kids don't get as much. And there are so many other problems. And the studies coming out about the school closures and what they what the results are, are devastating. They are really, really terrible. Um, this is Education Secretary Miguel Cardona on this result today. You know, that is very alarming. It's disturbing, but it's not surprising, keeping in mind a year and a half ago, um, over half of our schools were not open for full-time learning. And he's right. Over half the schools weren't open. Um, But half the schools were. 
And it, it raises an interesting question. The data was already coming out fairly quickly into the summer of 2020 that school closures are causing a lot more harm for kids. We didn't buy that in California, at least in our public school system. Now, if you had a kid in private school, you were back to school in most places in the fall of 2020. So you went out of school most likely to virtual learning, which for a lot of people was virtual nothing, in the fall of 2020. And your school, though, if it was private or some charter schools, I think there's maybe one school district that actually opened here in Southern California, one of the Orange County ones, I believe, opened. Uh, Everybody else was shut for months or had partial learning eventually, even though it was really clear this was not good. And these studies coming out are showing this. And I'm, I'm sharing this because I think that one of the reasons, and I share these things often about schools, is that when we take a look at even where we are as believers and what should we do in the civic area, where do we need to get involved? You know, is it, what do we do beyond voting? I think everybody needs to vote that matters. And we need to be educated about the issues. We need to, everybody should vote smart. Everybody should look up, you know, what, what they're voting on and who they're voting on. And don't just vote based on the D's and R's by the names, but really find out what's happening. I think that matters for every single person, every single American, I think for every single church person. The studies show that only 30% of us vote even in a presidential election, is barely half, and that includes church people. That means half the state is not engaged at all. And most of the people who vote aren't really paying much attention. I think if we learn something about through this pandemic and the shutdowns is that we've got to be involved. We have to pay attention. And if you've got kids in school, you've got to be paying attention. You've got to be taking the time to do it. It's worth the time to pay attention to what's happening. New York Times study, the, the, or story, the National Assessment of Educational Progress tests began tracking student achievement in the 1970s, and they test primarily nine-year-olds. They're basically fourth graders, and they're saying that they should be at a reasonable place with reading and math. The scores in reading fell by the largest margin in more than 30 years over the last two years. They've been dropping anyway, which is a bigger story that they were dropping anyway from about 2010 until 2020 uh, at a fairly slow rate. But just in the last two years, the drop was more than 30 years. It shouldn't be surprising they're not in school, but it's showing us how much further we have to catch up. And in math, and this is where I think this is something that is vital for all of us. I think my opinion, it's the civil rights issue of our day. In math, black students lost 13 points compared with five points among white students, widening the gap between the two groups. Research has documented, this is from the New York Times, research has documented that profound effect, the profound effect school closures had on low-income students and on black and Hispanic students in part because their schools were more likely to continue remote learning for longer periods of time. And that's because a lot of schools that were in the cities especially uh, stayed shut for a long time. It's a devastating result, and this has to change. We have to stop treating people this way just because the income is less. We have to change the system so that people who have less opportunity in life, just economically, aren't put at the back. It's the oddest thing, our our school system, the way it's put together. It's really, you know, for 2022 and for all the conversations that we're having right now, 
poorly, but the conversations that we're having about race and inequities and all of that stuff right in our face is a school system that makes no sense. And that in every way today, from shade to actual education, people who are on the lower income side of everything uh, suffer the most. And we know this. We know this. And it affects things for decades. That's the article, that this is going to hurt for decades. It's going to hurt an entire generation unless we can really help people catch up. Janice K. Jackson, who led the Chicago Public Schools until last year, she's now a board member for an organization called Chiefs for Change. She said, this is how dramatic it is to me. She said, adding that politicians, school leaders, teachers unions, and parents would have to set aside the many disagreements that flared during the pandemic and come together to help students recover. She says, no more of the arguments and back and forth and the vitriol and the finger pointing. She said, everybody should be treating this like the crisis it is. She's right about that. The problem is right there, though. The problem is the reason there's so much back and forth is because we're not arguing about how to do, how to teach people math better. We've got some problems maybe with the new math, but if they're learning math, they're learning math. If the answers are right, just make sure that one day they can be engineers and they can be teachers and they can do everything with math. That's fine. If the kids are learning different ways to read, that's fine as long as they can read and comprehend. I think most parents left and right are fine with all of that. The arguments that we're having is because the schools are being indoctrinated by all kinds of political beliefs that have nothing to do ultimately with making sure they're better off, the students are better off with math, reading, or science. That's why the scores are going down because they were going down before the pandemic and it's just dramatically worse now that we had the coronavirus crisis. That has to change. That's where parents have to keep getting involved and staying involved because your kid's future is really determined a lot by middle school and grade school. That's where they learn to read. They're, those grades don't count. You don't send those grades into colleges, right? But that is where so much of our understanding of how to read and how to be in school and how to learn happens. I think it's more important in some ways. I think the grade school is maybe more important than even higher education in some ways overall for life. We have to be involved. There's no reason to not be able to change this except for politics. There's a lot of ways to change. There's a lot of ways to change the way schools are funded. They're doing it in Arizona. We'll see if that works where they're giving money to all the parents and saying, pick your school and where the money funds the student, not the school. And that's going to change. That's going to change all the schools because they will be competitive. And you know what? I don't think they're going to be competitive on left and right issues. I think they're going to be competitive in math and science and reading, which I think is something that our kids deserve. They deserve our attention. They deserve the discipline to learn how to do those things because you can't fake the education. You can fake the graduation. You can fake kids you know, graduating and handing them a piece of paper and they can put it on the wall. But if they're reading at a sixth grade level or a fourth grade level or they can't do math, they're not going to do well in life. They're not. You can fake the graduation, but you can't fake the education. We have to be about educating our kids. It matters. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about the heat. We'll take your calls and comments about uh, this subject. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you on this hot day here in Southern California. We're going to have uh, a lot of hot days, it looks like. How do you beat the heat? Has this uh, crossed your mind? Do you have advice for people? You, do you do things to beat the heat? Um, and, you know, other than crank on the AC, maybe you do that. What's your electric bill every month if you do that? It is, uh, it's expensive. It depends a lot on whether you have good insulation in your house. You can turn it on and your house can stay kind of cool. Most of the places I've lived in, uh, it doesn't matter. You turn on the heater, the AC, and the moment it goes off, it's whatever temperature it is outside. And uh, you just have to run it all day, and it'll, it's expensive. How do you beat the heat? What are some different things that you do? 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to call in and share your thoughts. Join the conversation. You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, Richard writes this. It's so hot this week. What I do is I drink a Gatorade right before bed and a couple of bottles of water in the morning before work. And then I try to get as much work done as possible before the sun comes up, because when it comes up, production slows down, and for sure, there's no way around it. It must be working outside in construction or something outside. And, you know, that's what a lot of people do. If you have the type of job where you can, if you have to work out in the heat and you're outside, you try to get it done early. You know, that is, um, that's a really good thing to do. It's much easier, I've found, whenever I've had that type of work to do. It's much easier to get up early and get it done than it is to stay out late and get it done at night. And it's warmer, I think, uh, in the evening than it is in the early morning. It might be pretty cool uh, in the early morning, even when it's going to be a hot day. So that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good description there of how to beat the heat. That's one way to do it. Do you have a way that you beat the heat that you would recommend to people? 888-528-2557. We have so many different things happening in our state, so many different things that are sort of at this crisis level. It may not be as bad as a lot of the, you know, the news makes everything such a crisis, we're all going to die tomorrow. Um, And then you have the governor who comes out and he says, hey, I'm going to increase the electric supply in California. Didn't know we could do that, but he's doing that apparently. And the... There is, even in the drought, there's still a lot of water. Uh, there are a lot of really good ideas for not wasting as much water. We waste a lot of water, right? It just goes down the street, and there are so many ways that we could collect water. We should be collecting more rainwater, and there's a lot of other things that we can do. I like ideas like that. Do you? I, I like innovative ideas. I like to see them be tossed out there. Maybe they don't really work, but at least the idea is thought of. And sometimes they're really great. One of them that is being proposed here in California is the idea of covering the California aqueduct system with solar panels so that two things happen. It would be a plan to conserve water by covering the aqueduct so that some of the water doesn't evaporate. And they they think that just doing that will save uh, enough water every year uh, for 2 million residents. That's that seems like a good idea to me. There's obviously a cost, and uh, the cost that this article I'm reading is throwing out is only about $20 million, and you know that's not a lot, I think, uh, considering uh, what things typically cost in our state. And if you could actually uh, do that, I guess it's $20 million for uh, almost two miles. That's, so that's 
is still a lot. Okay, so there's 4,000 miles. So multiply that by 4,000. Now we're in the billions. That makes more sense. All right, I read 20 million and I thought that seems awfully cheap. You know, somebody uh, forgot their take in that in that number. Um, so the idea is to cover the aqueducts with solar panels so that not only does it prevent um, evaporation, but it will also be a great place to generate energy for the state. And to me, maybe that's a better idea. I don't know if you have thoughts about this, but do you ever see these big, huge solar farms out there or all these places where they stick all the, the windmills? Like if you head out to Palm Springs and there's thousands of windmills everywhere. I don't know if there's thousands, but there's hundreds. And, um, and it takes up such a huge amount of space where if you see these big, huge solar farms, it's just an enormous amount of space. The, what I like about the aqueduct idea is that it covers up space that's already being used. So it's not taking up extra space. It's building it over and having two functions. See, I, I think that's smart. You know, when we start to worry about our, our culture and all of our problems, we do have problems. Like if we, uh, we talked about education before the break, you know, if we can't do the math and we can't read, then we're not going to have people smart enough to implement these ideas. Uh, we're not going to have enough people who have the engineering skills to actually build the infrastructure correctly. But I think this is a pretty good uh, idea. So there would be solar panels over all of the the aqueducts, and that gives us more water and more energy. Not a bad idea. See, I think that there there is a lot of positive things that we can do to beat the heat or even beat the water crisis that we've got. Uh, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, tell me how you beat the heat. Uh, how are you beating the heat today? You're fine. Is it is it not so bad outside? You know that uh, it becomes a crisis. It's supposed to be 105 in downtown LA today, and uh, we've got these fires, which is a whole nother thing that we need to be aware of. We've been, I don't want to say blessed. We've been fortunate. We have been. Uh, we could be grateful. Maybe it's a better way to say that we haven't had a bunch of fires already this year. And because uh, it's so dry out there and there's so much brush, but the big fire in Castaic is burning and a big fire in San Diego at the border is burning. And uh, these are the first two that I remember here in Southern California in a while. And, you know, something to pray about is that the heat subsides and that it doesn't stay windy. The Castaic one, it can get pretty windy up there and that'll drive these fires. And I think uh, last I heard, there's been at least two structures that have burned uh, and some firefighters who have been dealing with uh, heat exhaustion and other things that are a part of that. You know, if you're a firefighter, you've got an incredible job. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, thank you for being ready to to get out there. It's not just hot, but you're in all of that equipment and you are working so hard in it. And, you know, if you really have the chance to watch what firefighters do, what happens with uh, the aircraft, the helicopters that drop water or drop uh, the chemical stuff, it's amazing. There is amazing pilots, amazing coordination, and they do a great job, and they do that in service to each one of us. When was the last time you thanked a firefighter for putting out a fire? You know, yeah, it's their job, but it's a job that they're well-trained to do, and they do it so well. And I think that is, it's a, it's a great profession to be a firefighter. Many of you are doing that job, so I say thank you. And especially in days like today where there's excessive heat and uh, it's going to get super, super hot, uh, be in prayer for them and uh, prayer for their families because their their spouse, their kids, they're at home worried. 
you know, because uh, usually dad, sometimes his mom is out there fighting the fires, out there involved, and it is dangerous. It's not just dangerous because of the heat, but you know it's dangerous because of of the fire. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're on every day from 3 to 5 right here on this station. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA. Do you have any plans for this Labor Day weekend? I'm stunned that it's actually Labor Day weekend already. I mean, summer just flew by. And it's weird now because the kids are back in school already, right? And it's just, I'm never used to that. I guess they've been going back to school in August for a while, but it's, uh, I've never gotten used to that, that whole thing. Um, do you have plans for this weekend? Is this the first weekend, the first Labor Day weekend since the shutdown that you've actually gone out? I've thought about that. I thought, you know, two years ago, we were still relatively shut down. Lots of things were still closed. You know, I think uh, we definitely went to some friend's house to swim or we did something. And we probably did the same thing last year. We'll probably do something similar this year. But I also know that for many of you, you haven't gone out yet. This might be the first Labor Day weekend in two years that you've actually done something. And uh, I hope that you do go out. Don't be afraid of uh, the stuff out there. You got to take care of yourself and do what's right for your health. So I'm not saying do anything that you would be, you know, going against doctor's advice and doing, okay? But if you're still afraid of the COVID, it's out there, you know, and, and people are getting it all over the place, but almost everybody is surviving and doing just fine. It's more like a cold now for most people. Uh, there are some who are still getting it and it's pretty severe. But I think that we're beyond the worst part of the sickness out. And I would encourage you to go out and go to the beach. It'll be crowded, but, you know, get there early. Uh, go do something that is get you out of the house, even if it's just going for a walk, go to a park, go let the kids play somewhere. Uh, that's another experience I don't think that uh, kids have that we used to have. We used to go to the park and it's 105 degrees and we had these metal slides. Do you ever have one of those as a kid? <laughs> And so, you know, now they're plastic and they can get hot and uncomfortable, but, you know, the metal slide would burn your jeans right off. You'd slide down that thing and have, you you would be on fire. And then your friend would put you out and you'd go back up there and do it again. That was just a different thing generationally with all of this heat. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. And we will take a little break. I'll be back with you as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday afternoon. A hot one out here in Southern California. Great to be with you today. It's going to be hot throughout the weekend, so make sure you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your neighbors. Maybe you are home and uh, working from home, or maybe the heat changes your schedule. You decided not to go out and do anything that you were going to do before. Here's a thought for you, and I'm asking the question, how do you beat the heat? Maybe another way to look at how do you beat the heat is not just how do you not be hot, but what do you? how do you take advantage of the change? How do you take advantage of the fact that maybe you're not going to go out and do what you were once going to do? How do you take advantage of the conditions that you have that have changed your schedule or changed what you want to do? Maybe there's something you can do. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. 
you know, something to think about, and this is a great thing to think about on Thursday, is you may want to put in your mind, be thankful on Thursday. And thankfulness is a interesting thing because we can be thankful for things. We can be thankful for actions. We can be thankful for people. We can be thankful for gifts we've received and, you know, a particular gift or, you know, a service that we received. The thing is about being thankful is it's it's kind of hard to sustain thankfulness, right? We forget. We sort of leave it you know, off the, the table. If you don't, what I find with myself is that if I don't send a thank you note for something immediately, I will probably forget. Or what will happen is, is I'll get to it later. And then I feel awkward about sending a thank you note for something that you sent me months ago or however long ago, or I have something that I know I need to thank somebody for, but I forgot who sent it to me. You ever have that happens, birthday gifts, or you get certain gifts from people and you didn't send a note and then you didn't write down, you know, who they're from. And so you know that you owe a debt of thankfulness to somebody, but you don't know who to give it to. And, uh, you know, take think about that. Think back to last Christmas. Do you even remember what you got if you got any gifts? You probably uh, don't remember very quickly. And if you do, uh, did you thank the person? Do you even remember if you thanked the person? And if you didn't, is it too late? You know, um, it, it is a uh, interesting thing for us to think about that we need to be thankful people, that there is a pattern of, of thankfulness that should be in our life. And we should always be thankful to God. All throughout Scripture, we have teachings about being thankful. God is always worthy of our thankfulness during whatever we're going through. We can thank God for the heat and thank God when it cools down. There are certain things that God is going to do in this heat. And maybe you don't realize what they are, but maybe for you, uh, you don't see it, but maybe you do. Maybe this extra time that you might have today, this time indoors, if that's how you're going to spend it, is a period of time when you should write notes, a period of time when you should call somebody and thank them, a period of time where you should reach out to somebody who uh, maybe did something nice for you at some point. It can be a simple thing, but it's just such a, a great gesture. And maybe it's just a time to give your thanks to God. And if you're not sure how to do that, look through the the Psalms. The Psalms are in your Bible filled with songs of thankfulness. And they have a lot to teach us about what we can do when we have a moment to be thankful. And they can help us even figure out when we should be thankful. It's not just uh, Thanksgiving. You ever sit around the table at Thanksgiving and, you know, that turkey's getting cold and the mashed potatoes are getting cold and they're making you go around the table and give thanks for something before you eat? I always recommend doing that during the meal. That way you get to eat and you can pay attention, but, you know, you want to enjoy that turkey because once you can't do it after the meal because that's when the turkey coma sets in and you're done. Uh, the, The thank you to the cook is the nap maybe you're taking on the couch later. You should say thank you anyway. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You know, you give thanks to the Lord. He's all giving. That's who he is. He is good. Uh, Verse two, give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Means he's the only God. That's what God of gods means. Doesn't mean there's a bunch of gods and he's their God. It means he's the only God. In Hebrew, that is what that phrase means. He's God and nobody else is God. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. He's the ruler of all rulers. Not too happy with uh, the uh, president? 
the current president, the last president, the next president, whoever, well, you know what? Give thanks because none of them are actually in charge. God is in charge. God is the ruler of rulers. Whenever Biden gives his speech today, good, bad, or indifferent, you can give thanks because he will not be there forever and he's not actually in charge. There is nothing in the speech that President Biden's giving tonight, his primetime speech. We're going to talk about that more a little bit the next hour. But whatever he says, whether you like it or not, you know what? He's not in charge. We we shouldn't take it so strongly that we worry about the future being outside of God's will. I mean, it's a funny thing to think about that. It's a funny thing to think that that maybe a politician or an event, uh, an event in nature or things that just don't go the right way, that somehow that would be outside of God's ability to control it. We can question why God allows things, but God is not out of control. God is not unable, you know, surprised by things that are going on. He's not looking down and going, I'm really surprised about this COVID thing lasting uh, for a couple of years. Uh, He's not going to look down and go, Biden, you can't do that. That's going to mess up my plan for uh, the end times. He's, that's just not even, you know, it's funny, right? But that's, that's just the way it is. He is the Lord of Lords. You can always give thanks to the Lord. And you know what? His love endures forever. Over and over again, you see that. That's a great reason to be thankful. The Hebrew word is hased, which is mercy. He is the loyal, he has loyal love. It's the idea that God's not going to change his covenants ever. That he, his love for you is stubborn it's a love that cannot be given up. It's a love that's binding. And if you want something to be thankful for to God, be thankful for God for who he is. His love endures forever. See, and that's why we can always be thankful for certain things in our life. Because God's love is always there forever. We can always be thankful to God. And our, our thanksgiving should not be based on circumstances. There are always people to thank. There are always reasons to to give credit. Uh, give thanks to him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever, who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. You have this refrain in the in the the song. It's a song, okay? Psalms and songs. Uh, who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern at night, his love endures forever. Thankfulness, it it does a few things. You thank God for who he is, but you also thank him for what he does. And he does all of this stuff. It is incredible. You can thank him for this. Do you ever sit down and really thank God? Is that part of your prayers? Is that part of of your your meditation time? I often hear, I don't have a lot to pray for. Well, I don't pray very much because uh, I don't have very many people to pray for. I think we, we focus so much on praying for people's health and praying that circumstances get better, that we don't spend the time that we ought to in prayer, praising God, giving thanks to God, wrestling with God over the things that maybe we're struggling with, talking to God, bringing our frustrations to God if we're frustrated about things. That's part of prayer. It's part of the relationship. I mean, you know, a big part of prayer is uh, lament. God, this isn't going the right way. Why? It's okay to ask God that question. You don't do it in a in a way that is you know, irreverent, but it's the way you would ask your father, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? That's perfectly fine in your prayers to God. It is 
part of that relationship. You know, in the book of Job, Job is just great, a great book. Uh, you could read the whole thing in a couple of hours. And in that book, you have Job and you've got Job's buddies. God's not too pleased with Job's buddies, but God is very pleased with Job, even though Job questions him. And then God asks questions of Job for several chapters. Uh, and then Job uh, clears his throat to ask something, and then God keeps telling him stuff. And at the end, you know, God is pleased with Job. God is pleased with the one who brought his questions to to God. God is pleased with the one who related with God in this. So we can be thankful that that's the God that that we serve. We can be thankful that God wants to have that relationship with us that is really, really true. And we can be thankful that we're part of God's story. That if you're part of the church today, God has a plan not just for your life and your circumstances, but God has a plan for the life and circumstances of the people that he's placed in your relational world. That God's plan for you is to impact people around you with love. That God's plan for you is to impact the people around you with your thankfulness. That God's plan for you is to impact them with your patience. That God's plan for you is to impact their life with loving them. That's God's plan. What's God's plan for my life? Well, God's plan for your life has something to do with your salvation and the salvation of the people that God places in your life. That's God's plan for your life. You know, that's it. That's what matters. That's, that's a big part of it. And yet when you realize that, you can live a life of, of thankfulness, a life of joy in spite of your circumstances. So I'm going to encourage you. Maybe it's something that uh, you can do on Thursdays. You can just think Hey, it's Thankful Thursday. Who do I need to thank? And on hot days like today, where maybe you're staying inside, go sit down and write a thank you note to somebody. You can do it on email and you can, you know, text it over if you feel like that's appropriate. But, you know, there's something about putting it in the snail mail. There's something about sending somebody an actual card that maybe that seems, you know, for some of you, you do that all the time. And I'm telling you, don't stop. It's a blessing to people who receive it. It really is. For some of you, you're thinking that seems like it's an old-fashioned thing to do. You know what? I don't know. It's hard to explain. But there's something about getting something in the mail and opening it up and thinking the person who sent me this took some extra time and spent a couple of bucks on a card and picked one out for me, sent it to me, or wrote a note down, and hopefully they can read your handwriting. That's my biggest hindrance is people don't read my handwriting very well, but I try to make it clear as possible. And even if they can't read it, if they know who it's from, they'll probably appreciate that they got something. Thank them. It makes a huge difference. Send somebody a thank you note today. Take a moment to do that. I think you'll be glad you did, and they'll be glad to receive it. When we come back, we will uh, talk about the, the speech that President Biden's going to give right after our program today and uh, some other things next hour. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.